the riches of grace for you and I. Next. Ruth holds for us a marvelous love story, and really, it's not just any love story. It's an illustration of the greatest love story ever found in the gospel, found in the salvation of you and I. And today, we take a look at the riches of grace shown to the redeemed. It's our continuing look at the marvelous book of Ruth. Please join us here from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Once again, exploring this marvelous love story called Ruth, our teacher and pastor now, here's Pastor Phil Howard. The best has just been said. Us preachers think the best is to come when we comment. The best has been read. This is the Word of God. And uh, something you need to know about narrative preaching. is narrative preaching and narrative stories since all the Bible is about one person. Ultimately, God revealed in Jesus Christ, think of this book as a signpost saying, this way to Bethlehem. This way. If this book doesn't happen, there's no need of looking for the shepherds to come to Bethlehem. No need of looking for the Magi to show up. You've got to go to this story to find the ancestry of the greatest king and the ancestry of the Messiah according to the flesh. So this is no incidental little book written about 1000 BC when David was in power and written to tell the background of how his family came to have their relatives. We're going to look in this chapter as we kind of go through the narrative. Three things I want us to see. Three big thoughts. The chapter is full of grace. It'd be the Hebrew word hen. Uh, favors the way it's translated. This Ruth needs grace if she and Naomi are going to make it. They've come from Moab. Fresh graves. Not only Two boys have been buried. A husband has been buried. An estate has been sold because of the poverty and the famine that was in the land during the days of the judges. So we have two widows that come back. But one is in a precarious position. She's young, but she's a Gentile. And she is from the people of Moab, that Deuteronomy 23 said, for 10 generations, any descendants of Moab are forbidden to come within the assembly of Israel. 10 generations. That 10 generations has happened, but she has the stigma when she comes back to Israel, you belong to the people who've been giving us fits ever since the Exodus, ever since the book of Judges, you belong to the people who are our enemies. I just did a youth camp for a bunch of Russian, Ukrainian young people. I had to tell myself they're not the enemy. I was thinking of fallout shelters and Sputnik in the 50s. The Russians are coming. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing all these Christian young people from 
communist countries, their folks have fled because we have 250,000 Russians in Sacramento. And many of them have come to faith in Christ. So we see in this story, this narrative, the need to find grace, and Ruth finds it, but she finds something much more. She finds a kinsman redeemer that is able to buy her property back, she and Naomi. For a kinsman redeemer could do three things. If you sold yourself into slavery, they could buy you out. If you sold your property, they could buy it back because when they allotted the land, when they went in, the 12 tribes, God did not want the tribe of Reuben to get more land than Gad had. They wanted them to all, it wasn't one tribe is buying out another tribe's property rights. As long as there was a living family member, had you sold that property, they could buy it back for you. And then there's a twist we'll get into more as we get to chapter 3. God did not want any name to be dropped from the tribes of Israel. And so Naomi has two sons that give her no children. Her only hope of having a legacy is that this Ruth has been barren for some reason. Is if anybody would dare dream of marrying this Gentile girl and pay the price for her to become their bride, if that could happen, it would be as though it were a miracle. And we'll see this develop in this great love story of Ruth. Let's follow the narrative. We'll go narrative, and then I'll make a few points to see what I see this chapter telling us about. We have, first of all, that Ruth, by the providence of God, just happens to get in the field of a kinsman redeemer. She tells Naomi in the morning, I want to go out today because I hope to find grace. I hope to find favor, is what she's saying. I want to find grace. I hope somebody will look with pity upon me and see that you and I are two broke widows. We need food. We've lost our land. We're probably living in a shanty somewhere on someone's property. We've lost the land. And we're two widows just trying to eke out a living. Who knows how old Naomi was? She was so old she wasn't in the field. It was Ruth that went there. And notice what she says, verse 2. Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Now, she knows nothing. That's just her wish list. I want to go out and wind up in somebody's field where I'll find grace. That's like you going out early in the morning. I hope I find grace in the eyes of some employer so that he hires me. That's all she's saying. She doesn't know anything. This is just set up front. But it does mention along the way, just to let you know the narrative and the tension, there was a man that could do them a great favor who was a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. But that's just mentioned up front. Ruth doesn't know anything about him. Naomi hasn't seen him since she's gone back to Bethlehem. 
But it's just the narrator just wants you to know there was somebody that if she could find grace in his eyes, there was hope. There'd be a future. And so we find her going down. She winds up and notice verse 3. She set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she, old version, just happened, just happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Now, that's, this is a story of providence. It's like the book of Esther. She just happened to win the beauty contest. She just happened to be next to the king when they want to kill all the Jews. Her uncle Mordecai just happens to be in it. Let me say this. The world deist, the Benjamin Franklins who said that God wound up the universe and then took a long trip away. They can't understand nor appreciate providence that God is working in history behind the movement of nations, raising up leaders, taking them down, orchestrating Christ in the fullness of time came and was born of a woman. There is someone working in the shadows all the time in the life of the believer. It's called providence, not chance. It's not luck. It's not the rolling of the dice. Why don't you pray an extra hour instead of spending money at Reno you can't afford? I'd rather have a good prayer meeting than a good lotto ticket. If you pray, you might get the right. No, well, you know, pray. <laughs> pray. You know, uh, pray over your ticket. Uh, not, I mean, let's move right on. Uh, and so they, they get in the field, and she's working there. And according to the law of Moses, they were to leave enough grain in their fields in the corners. They were forbidden to harvest the corner of a field to feed the uh, poor among them, to feed the alien. They didn't go and pick it for them. They left it for them to pick. Now, some landowners uh, were tight, and they wouldn't do that. They'd leave nothing. And so they, they broke the law of Moses. And the day of Judges, you'd expect them to break this law too because they've broken every other law. But it so happens, and if you're a foreigner, you, you show up, who are you? Well, they knew a little bit about her because Bethlehem was just a small village. Everybody gossiped. You knew everything in Anissa. You didn't need a newspaper. You just need the women to talk to each other. You knew what was going on. And the word's out, but she falls into this field against some objections, but she didn't find that in this field. And so she's gleaning, hard work, and God is making provision in giving favor, and all of a sudden, Bethlehem, what comes from Bethlehem, but Boaz, probably making a bank deposit, wants to go by and check up on his land. And when he gets there in verse 7, uh, it says, uh, he saw this girl out in the field, and he checked with his foreman who said, well, she's been working all day, took a short rest, Sometimes they would have lean-tos and a few branches to get under, to get out of the sun. And Boaz uh, said to her, 
Listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And the idea is touch you to harm. In the days of Judges, rapes were happening. Laws were being broken. And here we got a Gentile widow, young woman. You, you could be in dangerous places, honey. Stay in my field. And I've commanded my foreman and the men in charge of that field to bring no harm to you. You're in a safe spot in my field. Know that I've given the word. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes? The word's grace. That you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner. It's a terrible thing to be the racial minority wherever you are. It makes you nervous. One year I was at a uh, Fourth of July celebration, and everybody there looked like a redneck except my six foot four son in law, and I was there with him. I got nervous. I was hoping nobody would want to mess with him. I'd never been used to being around being the minority. Here she's a minority, but she's not just a minority. She is a Gentile, but from a hostile Gentile country, and she's got the stigma. They're not ignorant of history. She is in a vulnerable, vulnerable place, still a young woman. But she's outvoted here, outranked. What she needs is grace, but there's nothing going for her to get grace on the social level. And so, Boaz has been informed about her background and her history. She's got one thing going for her. She has been loyal to her mother-in-law. And if Boaz knew it, if Boaz had read the first chapter, she has accepted the God of Israel while in Boab, and she gave up the God Chemosh, a national threat, one of the worst gods you can serve in Israel. Many of them went in to that worship in the land. They accepted the gods of Moab, but she abandoned her gods. While the other sister-in-law said, I've got to have my home, I've got to have my gods. And so Ruth says, I throw in my lot with Naomi, I throw in my lot with her people, I throw in my lot with her God. I'm counting on the God of Abraham to take care of me. A great conversion happened in this Gentile girl. She says, I didn't think you'd be good to me because he prays for her. He prays a benediction. May God repay you. May God reward you. May you come to find refuge beneath the wings of God. One of the most beautiful benedictions in all the Bible. I never forget it, 1967. A man sent me a card with that verse, and I've never forgotten. I was teaching at a small Bible college, barely surviving, barely making it, and I got a card from a man, and he wrote Ruth 2.12. I looked it up, and I've known it ever since. 
may you be rewarded under the wings of him that you've come to rest, under the wings of God. We're going to look at a little bit later in the application what these wings really stand for. That's a beautiful comparison. God is like a bird with wings. That's interesting. What in the world does that mean? We'll, we'll gather that up. So, he, he blesses her in the narrative, and uh, he says, uh, I want to be gracious to you from verse 8 right down to uh, verse 16. It's the grace of Boaz. Stay in my field. You'll be protected in my field. Uh, you have found favor in my eyes. Matter of fact, I'm asking for a divine benediction. I'm praying you'll come under the wings of God in the midst of your pain and suffering. And then at mealtime, he did, does something unthinkable, unheard of. He asked her to eat with him. Now, he owns the field. His name uh, is literally, he's called a mighty man, a gabor, a mighty warrior, mighty in law, mighty in wealth. He, it's, a, it's a mighty term that they call him, a mighty man. This is one of the wealthiest, most outstanding available bachelors in Bethlehem. And he says to a girl that's a Gentile that he's just met, and the only thing about her that he knows is, I think she was pretty. I, I think he, I give him credit for having good taste, you know. You can be pretty, by the way, and be godly. You know, I, you don't want to be like that one guy that someone told him to look up the definition of ugly, and they had his picture there. <laughs> you know, I grew up, we were so afraid of our young people sinning, we tried to get them as ugly as we could. That way you won't lust. I'm never tempted to lust after a cactus bush. Well, let me tell you, getting ugly isn't the way to control lust. You can be pretty and know God. So I think she was a good-looking gal. And a young gal, he calls her daughter, so he must have been quite a bit older. And he, she's saying, I get to eat lunch with the boss. I get to eat lunch with the owner, and he just met me for the first time. I was looking for grace. The grace I really needed was to go home with 30 pounds of grain to feed my mother-in-law and I. But now you want to have lunch with me? Yes, come on over. Let's drink together some vinegar wine, and let's have, let's roast some grain. If you have that kind of diet, we'd all be healthier. <laughs> and so she goes, and she has the meal, and uh, then he tells the man again, he says, don't let her glean in my fields, and don't reproach her. And this is beautiful. Pull out some of the bundles for her. The old King James said, leave handfuls on purpose. And the idea is, as you're gleaning through your fields, don't clean it bone dry. I want you to intentionally be dropping out handfuls of grain so that as she's coming behind you, she's going to say, well, this is like just picking up gold. It's right in my path. How did that happen? The boss told the workers what to do. The kinsman redeemer said, put it in her path, put it in her path. And so she goes home with 30 pounds of grain before the day's over. An abundance could feed them for two weeks. 
put handfuls of grain in her path. I want to be sure she's protected, and I want to be sure she's provided for. Well, she gleans in the field, and uh, she uh, goes home, running home to Naomi, and Naomi is her manager, asks her 19, where have you been? Where have you worked today? And she says, blessed be the man who took notice of you, bringing home 30 pounds of grain. Somebody was looking out for you. So what she's saying. And she told her mother-in-law, the man's name was Boaz. And then the prayer of Naomi, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness or grace has not forsaken the living or the dead. This is the first hope that comes into Naomi's life in this book. She's a widow. She's buried sons. She's buried husband. She's lost her land. She's, she's been stripped in Moab. And she says, my name is Mara. I'm a bitter woman, for the hand of God is against me. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. The first break into her despair comes and said, God has not forgotten us. God has, he's turning his hand from discipline to now provision. And this is a big turning point in her perspective on God. For she's a woman of faith, but she's a discouraged woman. She doesn't know what else she's going to bury, what else she has to lose. And all of a sudden, this girl comes back. I met a man today. He gave, sent me home with all the grain I could eat. He gave me all the protection he could afford, and he's a mighty warrior. I found grace in the sight of the Lord today. He put a kinsman redeemer named Boaz in my life. And Naomi, her face is going to be lifted up. God hasn't forgot us. This man is one of our relatives. And when you're broke, you want good relatives. And everyone who has money said, oh, I don't want them to know I've got it. The man is a close relative. He's one of our redeemers. And we'll look at this, the Goel, the kinsman redeemer, a great picture of Christ. Someone related to us is able to get us out of our poverty, Someone, maybe, and that Naomi, I'm sure, she was always hoping this young girl could remarry. Never thought she'd remarry in Israel. Thought it would be down in Moab. And so, Ruth keeps telling her, he told me to stay close to the young men. He said he would protect me. He would watch over me. Well, I think something is interesting by contrast. She found grace in the eyes of Boaz. And there's some things about her that would make you think she would deserve it. And there's a whole lot about her that wouldn't. The story of Ruth, God's way of illustrating his love for us through his son, Jesus Christ, and what we call the gospel. 
This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. As we close out our broadcast, we would leave you with all of our contact information and a few reasons why you might want to contact us. First off, our phone number is 855-833-9864. Let me give that to you one more time, 855-833-9864. Our web address is valleybible.org, and here's why you might want to get a hold of us. Throughout the month of August, we're actually offering this entire series out of the book of Ruth as a way of saying thanks for partnering with us financially. As you send along a gift of any amount, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large, we'll say thank you by sending you this entire series called The Romance of Redemption out of the Book of Ruth. Again, our way of saying thank you for partnering with us. We are a listener-supported ministry here on KFAX, which means we're able to continue the ministry as you link arms with us financially, partnering with us, becoming a TFT sustainer. Now, as you do, not only will you receive our gift for you here in the month of August, but you'll also receive our quarterly newsletter, our once-a-year special gift, and access to Take a Break. It's our weekly video devotional with Pastor Phil. Again, it's all for becoming a TFT sustainer on a regular basis. And you can find out more at our website, valleybible.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. You can also write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, California, and the zip code is 94547. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, and we look forward to when we can do it again as we mutually encourage one another in Christ here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. <music>